Hey friends, this is Linda. Thanks for tuning in to Calling Water. The goal of our podcast is to examine a passage of scripture to not only learn what it means, but also discover some things God might call us to do through the text. In today's episode, The Guardian Redeemer, we're wrapping up our study in the book of Ruth by looking at chapter four and how God empowers us to be agents of change in our own lives and in the lives of others. Let's get started. Hey friends, listen, this is a super special episode of Calling Water because for the first time ever, and certainly not the last, we have a guest on our episode and my friend and colleague David Magianis is joining me today. And we're going to talk about the final chapter of Ruth and discuss some themes and takeaways from the book as a whole. So welcome, David. How are you doing? David here. (laughs) We're so excited to have you. Um, Just for those of you who don't know David, David works with me at Stuff You Can Use, and he's been the director of youth ministry resources up until recently. And he's now a strategist who works with ministries who use or are looking to use our curriculum called GROW. And apart from that, he's been in ministry for 10 years. He's first-generation Mexican-American, so he grew up learning Spanish before he learned English. And no surprise, his favorite dessert is his mom's tres leches cake. And he, like most of us, will never say no to pizza. Uh, David and his amazing wife, Amy, have two dogs. And some of his other loves are movies, concerts, and developing sermons. All around one of the coolest and kindest people I know, you guys are in for a treat. (laughs) So David, rumor has it that this is your favorite book in the Bible. Do you want to share with us why that is? Yes. So I think the story of Ruth is a fascinating story. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's been taught in a certain way, but uh, I kind of have not rethought how to teach it, but just there's different themes and different ways to explore. And yeah, it's just a great story of just a lot of friendship and overcoming and perseverance. And so it's just a fantastic four little chapter book. And so excited just to wrap up here with chapter four with you guys. Yes, let's do it. Let's jump right in and let's talk about this book that we both love so much. Um, So in our past three episodes, we looked at Ruth chapters one through three, and we got to meet Naomi and Ruth, both of whom were struck with immense tragedy, leaving Moab to come to Bethlehem, Naomi's hometown, with basically no means of survival. But they arrive in time just as the barley harvest is beginning, and Ruth finds work in a field that belongs to Boaz, who's not only a generous person, but also also happens to be what they call a guardian redeemer or kinsman redeemer. And Naomi learns of this fact and sees an opportunity for their fortunes to be reversed and sends Ruth to Boaz one night. And nothing weird happens, at least not according to the text. But Ruth does ask Boaz to redeem her. And Boaz is moved by Ruth's request and promises he would just as long as this other relative who's first in line declines. So that's where we left off with chapter three. Could you talk to us about what happens in chapter four? I would love to. (laughs) So yes, so chapter four picks up just as Linda was talking. Um, It is the culmination of the story of Ruth and Naomi. And so in chapter four, right away, we see Boaz taking the initiative uh, to meet with the elders of the city. So he gathers all the people, just kind of the important people of the city to make this decision of who is going to redeem Naomi, specifically in terms of her, her land, her husband, 
Um, and so he, Boaz essentially approaches the next kinsman redeemer, the guardian redeemer, however your translation is put, and says, hey, look, um, you're next in line for Naomi in terms of land, in terms of inheritance and that sort of stuff. And essentially the kinsman redeemer is like, yeah, sure, like I'll, I'll, re I'll redeem uh, Naomi, like I'll take that. But then Boaz is like, ah, just wait a minute. So if you do uh, get the land and get the inheritance and all that sort of stuff, you know, Ruth is kind of a little bit of a package deal when it comes to this. And so the next in line kinsman redeemer is kind of like, mm, I don't know. And we'll kind of talk a little bit about the implications of what that means and kind of like that social pressures that was put on there that Boaz kind of did a little not trickery, but he was a very strategic about how he did this. Mm -hmm. And so essentially the next, the next in line kinsman redeemer was like, mm, I'd rather not. And so then Boaz is like, okay, well then I'm going to redeem Ruth and Naomi and take up that mantle. And so uh, essentially all that happens, they do this little sandal exchange, Chaco exchange uh, back <laughs> in the day. And, um, and we'll talk a little bit about what that means as well, but it's kind of like the symbolizing of the exchanging and redeeming and that sort of thing. And then from there on, Ruth and Boaz get married. They have a kid. Um, they name their son Obed. And we'll talk about genealogies in a little bit because even though that could be a little bit of a part of the Bible where we tend to skip over just the genealogies, it kind of could get a little bit dull and boring, just reading name after name that is kind of hard to pronounce and names we don't understand. They do have a very important part in this role, and we'll see to, to why. And then essentially that's how the book finishes is with the genealogy. And so it's very important that we understand this genealogy because that's how the book finishes. And so we'll see why that's so important. I also really love to hate genealogy. And that really mm. is a part of the Bible that a lot of, a lot of us skip over. Um, but my mom told me this story once. Um, I don't know if it's true, but there was an old man, apparently, and all he would read in the Bible was Matthew chapter one. He would just read the genealogy yeah. over and over again. And people were like, you know, there's more to the Bible than this one chapter. Like, why do you keep reading this chapter? And he was like, you know, like, I'm going to die soon and I'm going to go to heaven. And so I would like to learn some of these people's names since I'm going to spend eternity with that. them real soon. And I thought that was super sweet. Um, really yeah, but more than just, you know, reacquainting ourselves with these people in heaven, um, there is, there are just some really fascinating telling things when you read a genealogy. So I'm really excited to dive into that with you in a little bit. Um, but let's talk a little bit more in depth about what's happening here in chapter four. Like what is something you want to draw our attention to? Yeah. So there's two things. And the first thing I want to talk about is the transaction of redeeming Naomi and Ruth. So it could be a little bit hard to understand just because from our context, we don't trade sandals to redeem no. people or anything like that. So essentially what's kind of going down is this meeting of the elders of the town. So like all the kind of the important people are together. And like I said, Boaz is kind of very strategic in this sense, because when they're all meeting together, he's essentially saying, hey, guys, here's Naomi, here's Ruth. You are next in line to redeem them, to save them, to take up their inheritance. And so like I said, they originally say yes, the first kinsman redeemer, but then when Boaz talks about, you know, how Ruth is a package deal and, you know, both are widows. And so they have to kind of work out that inheritance of their, of their, of their husbands and their partners. And so at that point, he's kind of like, oh, I don't know. I don't really know if I can do this anymore. And so like, this is strategic move by Boaz, because essentially if he's like, yes, I'll take the land, but not Ruth, that doesn't look very good for that kinsman no. redeemer. So let's just take the land, but then not Ruth. And then even if the redeemer just take the land, but not Ruth, Boaz still actually gets to be with Ruth. So in kind of a working, like they'll still end up together no matter if they take the land or not. Mm -hmm. um, but if Boaz and Ruth have a son, 
that son will actually be next in line in inheritance to get that land. So to take back from that kinsman redeemer, if they have a son, Ruth and Boaz, they will, that son will actually have rights to that land. So it kind of puts this kinsman redeemer in a very tricky situation. And like I said, Boaz is very smart just because there's witnesses around, there's reputations on the line. Obviously in that culture, honor, shame was a very big uh, importance back then in terms of you know, sticking to your words, sticking to your family, all about honor, all that sort of stuff. So Boaz is very smart when he's kind of gathering all the people, asking the right questions. And then eventually, like, it does happen. So like Boaz actually gets the, the plan works, everything is put in place and it happens. So yeah, that's a little bit about the transaction that we kind of want to unpack a little bit, just because it kind of seems a little different and mysterious to our context today. So yeah, yeah. your thoughts on that, Linda, that you have? That is super interesting because I never really thought about it that way. Basically, Boaz set up a no-win situation for this other guy. And it's like, hey, you know, like you can have access to all this land, but, you know, you might have to give up your lineage a little bit. And, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of sacrifice that comes with it that Boaz was willing to take up, but this other Mm -hmm. man might not have been. So he presents it in such a clever way. So I really love that. And he does it in front of a bunch of witnesses. Um, So yeah, tell us a little bit more about this context, because we find that in this chapter, this is kind of like the first time we see like some power players come into play. Mm -hmm. Um, So what, what do you want to say about that? Yeah, definitely. So all from up to this point, chapters one, two, three, we've all been focused on Ruth and Naomi. It's kind of been their story and it's been focused on them, which is really cool. But here in chapter four, it's a really a big shift in terms of narrative structure, in terms of shifting in person and character. So like I, like we were just talking, like Boaz is kind of like the main character here in chapter four. And so it's kind of a switch from the women in chapters one, two, and three to Boaz in chapter four. Um, and so this is kind of showing you a little bit of like that patriarchal society that was happening mm-hmm. back in those days. Um, but here's the irony in the situation that even though the shift focuses to the men here in chapter four, it's still depending on the woman because they're talking about lineage, they're talking about inheritance. And in order to have those things, you have to have kids. Mm-hmm. And who provides kids in the story? <laughs> the women do. So even though they like this, this big power shift to Boaz and Boaz is the one redeeming and Boaz is the one creating this plan, like the women are still very much in power here as well because they're the ones that provide kids. Obviously, we men cannot have kids, biologically <laughs> speaking. Um, so we need the women to have kids. And that's kind of what was in Boaz's mind. Um, so even though they were the ones in charge, they needed the women just as much in this moment, even though he was kind of making the decisions, the strategies, the questions, and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then even in chapter four here, we get little mentions of like Leah and Rachel and Tamar, which are wild stories. And they are some mm-hmm. very interesting stories that you can go back and look at. And it's very interesting that they mentioned those stories specifically in the story of Ruth, because in my opinion, I feel like this story of Ruth really gives ownership and power to women in a very patriarchal society. So this was completely backwards to like how things would work in power structure. And the mention of these women kind of tie into that. These women were strong and bold women. And so um, I think these stories and the book of Ruth is a great example of how women challenged the society at that time and how even more so it plays throughout, even throughout the whole Bible. And like I said, the genealogy, I'm teasing genealogy because we'll get there to a little bit how like this all connects. But I just love the fact that the women are very empowered and stand up to what is kind of in the systems in place of that time. So yeah, that's a little bit of my thought to what from chapter four to this one. Yeah, absolutely. And I love how 
how subversive it is, even though it doesn't seem like it. And Boaz comes in as this perfect ally for them. And like, if you go back and read chapter four, you guys, like you'll see the language he uses. It sounds a little bit kind of demeaning, right? Cause he's like, oh, let it be shown that I've acquired Ruth. And, you know, and it's just like, in my possession. Um, but it just kind of shows that he was trying to do everything by the book, but mm-hmm. kind of in this really kind of sneaky way mm-hmm. so that he can give Naomi and Ruth everything they needed. So I think that's super beautiful. So a lot of times this story, the story of Ruth is presented as this kind of like love story and that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. Like Boaz rescues Ruth. And and to some regard, yes, like he's the one that had the power to rescue Ruth. But mm-hmm. just like we've been talking, I feel like this is like a little different shift in focus of like how the story is taught, like that Ruth was actually the one making the moves. Naomi was actually the one kind of setting all this stuff in place. And so like, while a lot of times we think of like this romantic love story where Boaz rescues Ruth, but like, it's actually Ruth and Naomi doing the ones that are like, we got to stand up for ourselves. We're sticking with each other. We're fighting for our lives. And we're the ones to try to make, you know, the best of what happened in our situation. And so, yeah, it's one of my favorite things about the story that sometimes it gets missed or we get taught when we're very little about how Boaz does this and that. Yeah. He's like a veritable Prince Charming. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. So yeah, that's one of the things I love about this story that it's just like, at first glance, that's what it seems like, but you dig a little bit under the surface and you kind of realize, wow, these women were like, bold and powerful figures. And I think that's powerful to have that in the Old Testament as a whole right. book dedicated just to Ruth, especially. Yeah. Right. Because even Naomi is like not really sure how to do it. Like she wants to make things happen. So mm-hmm. she tries to make Ruth do things according to the system of the day. Right. right? And when she goes to Boaz on that threshing floor, she's like, nope, I got this. I'm just going to ask for yeah. what it is I need. And it turned out great. Yeah. Yeah. So exactly. I really love that. Um, so now looking at the book of Ruth as a whole now, kind of just moving away from just chapter four, um, I, I think we can talk about some of the themes or motifs that we see that kind of span the entire book. Mm-hmm. Um, for me personally, I think it was powerful the minute I started kind of seeing this not really as Ruth and Boaz's love story or even their individual stories, mm-hmm. but more so as Naomi's story, because the book opens up describing how Naomi and her family were migrated to Moab and then how she lost her husband and her sons and she returns to her hometown. And then she tells the people to call her Mara because she was like, God has dealt so severely with me Mm -hmm. and then throughout the book she starts gaining hope and then like through the connection that was happening between Ruth and Boaz she's like okay I'm gonna figure something out and then at the end of Ruth chapter 4 verses 14 through 15 the women of the town say to Naomi praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer may he be famous throughout Israel he will renew your life and sustain you in your old age for your daughter-in-law who loves you and who is better that better to you than seven sons has given him birth. And it's like, it's basically all about her and in a way like her redemption story. So it's like this hero's journey almost of how Naomi lost everything, but God restored not only her fortunes, but gave her a new daughter, a new son and this new legacy. So I think it's kind of beautiful that way. Um, is there anything like that that stands out to you? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's a great, I love that. And I've I've always just taken it from the perspective of Ruth and just kind of told her story. But I love the fact that you kind of switched that a little bit and focus on Naomi throughout this the, the story, even though it's called the book of Ruth, right. focusing on Naomi, but right. I love that. That's very cool. <laughs> but yeah, um, some of the things that I think that pop up in this, some just themes and uh, general other things that connect to the rest of the Bible is like I was kind of saying before, this is not your typical, like they lived happily ever after story. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of things that are going on here. 
Um, yeah, but well, yes, they ended up together and they had a son, but there's just a lot of different things going on here. Um, so the first thing that I kind of see is that no one is left to be destitute, that the community is always responsible for feeding the hungry. So I believe it's in chapter two or three. Um, that's where Ruth kind of gleans the field that Boaz has left. And that's a, I believe it's a Levitical law. Uh, we find that in Leviticus or Numbers where it kind of says to leave kind of the edges of your field so that mm -hmm. the gatherers and the widows and the orphans can kind of come and gather the crops. And so um, that's just a kind of really cool example of just the sub subtle way of this story. It's just saying, hey, look out for those who are oppressed and the orphaned and the widow. And so who are those? And maybe just kind of connection to like our time, like who are those people in our lives that, you know, we could leave a little extra or think about them first, or just even think about them first as we're thinking about our daily lives. So that's kind of one of the motifs that I saw. Um, another one is loneliness and despair must not be ignored. And so what I, what I mean by this is that we just see that friendship between Ruth and Naomi, and they're not necessarily, um, together or anything like that, but they were just brought together by certain circuit of a certain circumstance of losing their husbands, which is mm -hmm. huge and traumatic. And so obviously they stick together. So to see this friendship between two women in the Bible and being lifted up as people who made it and survived, because in those days they wouldn't have been anything in society just to lose their husband their I mean, their whole societal impact was connected to their husband. And so for them to lose both of their husbands, would have put them in a really, really tough place. And so they really had to stick with each other and be with each other, support each other and be there for each other in terms of this tough time. And so and I think that's a greater story in the Bible too, that we are meant for community, that we're, I mean, we we believe in a God who's three in one, who is communal in nature. Yes. And so I think that's a huge theme throughout the Bible. Obviously Jesus and his 12 disciples, um, community is such a big theme in the Bible and throughout the whole Bible, not just the Old Testament New Te and in the New Testament as well. I and mean, even in our lives, as we think about church and small groups and Sunday school groups and, and all that sort of stuff. And so um, that's a big one there, that, com that community is so important. Loneliness and despair must be recognized that we are all kind of sometimes feel those things as well. Yes. And then lastly, um, that the outsider may be appropriately pushy towards being included. And so this is kind of what sticking up for themselves that Ruth was considered an outsider in those times, lost the husband, was a woman, was a widow. And so she had essentially no right and no place at the table to speak or to have power or to have any place in society. And so she had to be bold and pushy almost to be included and to be respected and to be thought of as someone and to even just have a place in society. And so she had to do what she needed to do, even if that pushed the boundaries of society. And so, um, we see Boaz as a person of most privilege and how he reaches out to her and sets an example of how we, of those with privilege, are to reach out to those who maybe not have privilege. And then even to recognize and how do we support and uphold those who are oppressed by a society and systems in place. And so, yeah, so that's obviously a big thing in the Bible, a big theme of Jesus always calling out the those in privilege and uplifting those who are oppressed and need and help. And so that's a huge theme throughout the entire Bible as well. And so, yeah, those are some of the things that I just stick out that I think connect to the greater story of our Bible, greater story of our Christian faith. And so, yeah. I love those observations. I love how you went from like the entire book of Ruth and then just the entire Bible, because yeah. it's so true. And I think it's almost bizarre to see how subtly the story challenges societal norms and challenges us in similar ways today. Um, so then this is the perfect segue. So we can talk about some things that you feel this book calls us to do because mm -hmm. 
there are so many takeaways from this book. I mean, just in the series alone, in our past episodes, we talked about how God gives us companions and is himself with us even when, or especially when we feel Mm. otherwise, how what we think as coincidences might actually be God at work behind the scenes and how God gives us agency like to Mm. Ruth, to be bold and prudent in the actions we take. Um, So what are some other things from the book of Ruth that you find encouraging that we should hold on to? Yeah, no, and I, I just one comment real quick before I move on to the call to action, because I, I, I could talk about this for days. Yeah, <laughs> I just no, love this can but, be a three-hour episode. Y'all. I know, exactly. <laughs> but you mentioned about God working in the behind the scenes a little bit, and I think mm-hmm. it's so interesting. I believe, if this is right, if I remember right, I don't think there's one mis- mis- mention of God in the book of Ruth of like, God helps this or anything mm-hmm. like that. There might be like someone prayed to God, but it's just so fascinating to see how God worked behind the scenes between all the characters. And right. even though there wasn't necessarily an explicit um, mention of God in the book of Ruth, mm-hmm. it's just so wild to see like how everything comes together and how um, how bold Ruth and Naomi are and follow God's plan without really follow, knowing that that is God's plan type of thing. So I just wanted right. to mention that a little bit there. There's just that one mention of like the Lord restored food in Bethlehem, yeah. but yeah, 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 we don't see like him as a key actor. Like we see God right. in other books, exactly. this in the book of Esther, which we'll talk about in a few months. So Ooh, nice. Maybe you'll have to bring me back for Esther too. Oh my goodness. <laughs> we would love to have you back. Yes, 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 yes. I love talking about the book of Esther as well. Uh, but yes, back to the call to action. So let me take you on a little journey here. Um, so I want to bring up the genealogies that we uh, mentioned at the beginning of this episode. And uh, for reference, I'm looking at Matthew chapter one, verses one through six, and there's a whole lineage there and essentially talks about the lineage of Jesus, the Messiah. Um, obviously, it's very there up there with the birth story. But if you look at that, Matthew chapter one, you'll see who's in the lineage and you'll find our friend Ruth. And so the story of Ruth is directly connected to Jesus because essentially it was Ruth and Naomi and they gave birth to Obed, which is the father of Jesse. And then we know David is obviously one of the heirs of the king uh, kingdom. And so da- Jesus is connected in that lineage. And so Ruth and Naomi are ancestors of Jesus. And so what this means is that we see the story of two women being bold and powerful and challenging societal norms in the lineage of Jesus, along with Tamar and Perez as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so we get their stories in there. So very important stories of women who are bold and powerful. And so just to see them in that lineage of Jesus just kind of just represents like what Jesus came from and what Jesus like heritage was just uplifting. And obviously there's some people in there that are a little interesting characters as well. Um, but it's just so interesting to see that that's the lineage of where Jesus come from. It's like, it's just a really conglomerate um, group of people that are different, that are very uh, different in terms of society. Um, so as we go on, we even see in Jesus's ministry that how he uplifts women in ministry as well, um, and how he supports women in his ministry and are actually key figures in his ministry as well. So it just all kind of connects to see how Ruth's story connects with Jesus' story and how Jesus lived his life as well. And then more so for our specific call to action. So when I teach the story, when I teach the story about Ruth, I talk about how um, sometimes we may feel inadequate, have Mm -hmm. low self-esteem, how we might not be, uh, not know how we could be used. Um, And so in this story, we can see how God can take anyone, even in their inadequacies, even in their shortcomings, that God can use anyone for God's purposes. Um, And so I think that's just a great story of like, 
being open to what God has in store for us and how we can be used by God um, to further love people and love God more. Um, and so obviously we'll see multiple times there's Moses who says, I can't speak. And there's multiple people of like thinking that they couldn't accomplish what God wanted them to do. But eventually like God gave them the strength, whether it was through other people or through miracles. And that's my encouragement for us this for this episode is that no matter where you're at, no matter if you feel inadequate, not sure where you're going, maybe you don't have a life plan, like God has a plan for you and God will use you and God will support you, whether that's bringing in people in your life or whether just through like a revelation or just through prayer or meditation, some way God will be able to use you and has um, a plan for you to love others and to care for others and to serve others. And so that's kind of my little call to action for the book of Ruth a little bit. And on the flip side, if you do have it all figured out and everything is going well for you, then there are plenty of people that you can help and just come and just do life alongside them. And so this story has it all. So I Mm -hmm. love that. It's so neat that this little book in the Old Testament has so much to say about how we can remain faithful to God and to each other. And it's just even more amazing that it predates Jesus by like a lot of years, but it really gets to the heart of who Jesus is and Mm -hmm. how he lived on earth. So that was really encouraging. Thank you so much, David. And thank you so much for being here today and going through this book with me. I know we can probably talk about this for days, (laughs) um, but thank you for being here for this short segment to share your insight and reflections about it. Um, This was a real treat. And I already know our listeners are really appreciating you being here as well. So thank you again. Well, good. I'm happy to be here. And thank you for having me on. I'm glad to be here. Happy to be on any other future episodes as well. Yes, we may have to talk again once we get to the book of Esther. So stay tuned, everyone. That sounds good. (laughs) All right. Thanks so much, David. Friends, I hope you enjoyed this conversation today. I hope you found it helpful in your study of scripture, but I hope you were also challenged by some of the things we talked about. Firstly, if you are in a season of life that feels hopeless, you don't have to stay there. Remember, this story started out with a couple of nobodies, at least in the eyes of society anyway, and by the end, these nobodies would become predecessors to kings and Jesus himself. And Jesus became the ultimate guardian redeemer for us in the sense that he was willing to sacrifice not just an estate or a lineage, but his whole self so that we may be reconciled to God. Secondly, if you are in a position of injustice or powerlessness, you don't have to stay there. Be inspired by Ruth's agency and ask God for both the courage and wisdom to actively fight for what you need and deserve. Also, don't forget that God exists in community and you should be able to rely on your God-given community to support you and embrace you. Seek out the people who can act as your figurative guardian redeemers and do all they can to advocate on your behalf. And on that note, if you are one of those in such privileged spaces, you might want to, but you don't have to stay there. Become comfortable with moving to the margins to help those who are vulnerable or overlooked and use your resources and influence to share God's love with them in real ways. Embody the duties of that guardian redeemer in a way and be willing to let go of some of your comfort and your pride to truly love as Jesus did. 
Let's pray. God, every day it seems we are bombarded with one bad news after another. We're witnessing tragedy after tragedy, seeing the disparity in how some personal freedoms are granted without question and others are trampled on. And we're constantly living in hatred and anger boxing us in on all sides. But as we have seen in the story of Naomi, Ruth, and Boaz, even in the most destitute of times, you are there. You inspire hope in us to speak up for our needs and for the needs of others the way your son Jesus unapologetically sided with the ones that society aimed to oppress. And as unremarkable as we feel sometimes, we know that you also empower us to not only seek help, but to be the help someone else might need. In the name of our true, forever guardian redeemer, Jesus, we pray. Amen.